Hi everyone, Lucy Kippest here. I'm the editor of Flying Solo and the host of this podcast where we peek inside the everyday lives of our inspiring small business community. Angela Heiser has spent her whole life dedicated to understanding the why behind human behavior to then be able to help people improve their lives and relationships by better understanding themselves and others. She spent the last 20 years working as a coach after several years before that, switching between several exciting careers until one finally felt right or spoke to all her varied experiences. She joins us on the Flying Solo podcast today to talk about her work as a professional leadership and emotional productivity coach and some of the insights her work can lend us as small business owners operating in what is actually a very challenging time. Angela, welcome to the Flying Solo podcast. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. So you are one of the community because you have been running a business yourself for the past 20 years. And actually, that's where I want to start because I'd like you to explain a little bit more to us about your business and what it is that you actually help people with. Okay, so um, I've been a trainer and coach for 25 years. Wow. So a little bit longer. I'm, I'm just a bit older. And I have been working as a, I worked initially as a life coach. So I started life coaching when there was no life coaching. And then I transitioned into more corporate work and into leadership development. But I also work with small business owners and with individuals. And it's all about self-leadership. So what do I need to do in order to be able to lead other people? But also about how do I turn so-called negative emotions into a powerful good? Because I don't think that there are negative emotions. They just don't feel that great. But they all have a really important purpose. And a lot of the time, we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to maximize the benefit. And so turning it into what I call emotional productivity. So I work with people on having those difficult conversations that nobody wants to have or empowering people who don't really want to, you know, step up maybe and who want to say, you know what, why don't you do this? Or why don't you tell me again how to do this? So it's about, I generally say it's about creating a world of adults where everybody is self-responsible for what they do and where we support each other, but where we are not responsible for each other. Mm, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful distinction there. I know that, you know, we've spoken previously and you have some corporate clients and you have some people that are not corporate. And I'm just wondering, is there a common catalyst for people coming to you? Is it, as you say, when they realize they have to have this particular conversation that they have no idea to have, or is it part of something like a bigger journey for them? What what usually brings them to you? Oh, that, that really depends on what part of the journey the person is on. Sometimes people are on a very conscious path and they realize that if they want to keep, they want to keep going, they need to have more skills and how to manage people specifically or in how to manage themselves. And sometimes people come to me because the pain of not being able to manage it is so great that they decide that they need to do something about it. So for example, the, um, they are not effective at work. So they, they get caught up in drama all the time, or they find that they're doing other people's work and they don't get to doing their own work, or they don't have the relationships at home where they come home and they have a relaxed environment, but there's a, or they can't let go of work. Um, and they carry the stress of work back home. And so the relationships at home are fractured. So there are all sorts of different reasons why people come. But in the end, the goal is always to have a fulfilling life and, a, and, a, and, and work in such a way that both don't interfere with each other, but they, they have a, basically a synergetic effect on happiness. Mm. 
And do you think that our lives are, I mean, in, in your observations of them, if there's something not right at work, it's reflected at home too? Is it often? Yeah. And the other way around. I mean, I sometimes have clients and they say, oh, you should know me at home. I'm a very different person. I go, really? Because, you know, we are, we are a whole being. We don't, I mean, if you can't cut yourself off and say, you know, this is, this is me here at work and this is me at home. You could do that for a short period of time. And you might have to do that if you have some sort of challenge at home and you have a really business, important business meeting, you may have to park that. But to do that for weeks, months, years, and separating that and shedding an identity and going, this is not me, this is my, my professional self and this is my personal self, is doing people a really, is doing everybody a really big disservice because it leads to really inauthentic behaviors and to almost a split personality because who am I really? Can I bring this into work? Can I take this home? Can I behave in a certain way? Or should I suppress this? Should I just compromise who I am in this situation? doesn't mean that you are the same person in the same exuberant way all around. Like you may have expressed your emotions a little bit bigger at home. You know, you may, you know, it doesn't mean that you jump up and down on the sofa, but you might, may, you may, you may do things, hug people and, you know, express yourself more in that way. You may not want to necessarily bring that to work. I, I had one of my clients who discovered that he really liked hugging and he came back to a session and he said, I think I have a problem. And I said, what? He said, my, my EA has just basically said, you know, indicated that this was almost like sexual harassment. And I said, well, demonstrate to me how you hug because he had started hugging her. And I went, that's probably very inappropriate. Let's just practice the different levels of hugging. (laughs) And that's the same, you know, with who, who are we? How do we show up? And that's, that's part of being culturally intelligent as well. You know, where do I express myself? How? But at the core, it's the importance is that we're always the authentic self. And when we can do that, and then we can, when we can adjust to the environment without compromising that core, that's when we connect with people. That's when we're effective. How many of us do you think are actually operating like that? Many people. I mean, have a look around the world, how many people are unhappy, how people medicate, how people, you know, are on on antidepressants. We don't, we don't really learn how to do these things i mean there are a lot of life skills we don't we don't learn at school it's so true i was having that conversation with someone the other day outside of the context of work but they were saying you know the things that she was getting stuck on at the age of 45 were things that she felt she should have been taught as a child yeah which is what i'm really passionate about i've got a a whole program that I call the Emotion Productivity Program, which is dedicated to all of those life skills that I know for sure I didn't learn as a child and as growing up. Setting boundaries, having those difficult conversations, saying this is my need, but not expecting somebody else to fulfill that. Because we often don't know how to transition from a child who has a right to have its needs taken care of to an adult who says, again, I haven't, it would be really nice if you, if, you know, I would really love a hug right now rather than going and hugging somebody compulsively because that's being needy and, and, or expecting somebody to make us happy. You know, there are all these, these things that we don't learn. And I'm really passionate about people having those because what they do is they create drama free life and real sense of fulfillment because we don't look for, we don't look for that fulfillment on the outside. It comes from the inside because we know how to manage ourselves and others. Yes. And and with that course that you're referring to there, like relearning something or learning something for the first time as an adult, in some ways you think, well, it's easier because you know how to speak and you know how to write and you've got some 
obviously some emotional intelligence. But I wonder, you know, in learning that, how much of a struggle it is to actually put it in practice because you're probably in conflict all the time, right, between what you've always done versus where you're trying to head to. Yeah, that's. I mean, children learn. This is why I would love for these skills to be taught in schools because children, you, you, you're just basically teaching them something for the first time. And it's not what you teach them. It's I always say, teach children and people how to think, not what to think. Teach them how to manage their emotions, not in a way of this is the only way, but saying there are reasons why managing them this way is really important. So the idea is that as an adult, you, you are open to the fact that maybe the way that you've always done it is not the best way, but the brain has been hardwired. It's going, this is how I've always done it, as you said. So you need to really override it with a new program, which is much harder than writing a new program in the first place. Um, But my experience, and I've been working with people for a very long time, is that when people are really willing to do it, and this is where pain comes in, when they go, I can't do this any longer, or there is something they're really working towards, which is even more important. So it's about letting go of what doesn't work and working towards something that works better. And there's the commitment that goes with it people can make massive changes in their lives. And do you find that that change happens rapidly? It depends. I mean, if it's something where you go, this is really, it's like, for example, a belief where you find out that a belief really doesn't support you, you can change that very, very quickly. But if you have habits that you have been, that are really long ingrained, like any kind of conflict, you avoid like the plague, you walk out of the room anytime somebody raises an eyebrow, then you might have to actually work towards being able to stay in the room for a while and then learning the skills of how to actually address what kind of whatever disagreement you need to address. So that could take sometimes a few months. But that's, that's again, that's where ongoing work is really important, but not the, I'm going to do a two-day workshop and my, my life will have changed dramatically. Yeah. You know, it's, you, you can't wave a magic wand. You need to re- literally rewire the brain and the physiology because it's the whole body that needs to do that. So I always invite my clients to do the microbiote learning, you know, do five to 10 minutes a day, just focus on one thing at a time and make that, a, make that a habit. And then once you've done that, you will find that other associated traits or habits will fall along with that. And they just change almost in a, in a domino effect, but it's finding out which one is the one that triggers it. And then you go with that. Yeah. It's fascinating. The other thing I wanted to talk to you about was in the small business space, we are vulnerable, might not be the perfect word here, but fairly vulnerable to all of the rhetoric around now about changing your mindset and embracing happiness and why positivity is the key to success. Mm -hmm. And all you need to do is the 7 million things every day to ensure (laughs) that your business is flying and you're completely successful and happy. From my perspective, this can be a dangerous rhetoric to have in your head as someone running a small business because you are responsible for so much Mm. and without you being in a good headspace without your well-being being assured everything's going to fall apart so my question is do you think there's any truth to all of this stuff this like embrace your happiest version of yourself and export that to the world And if you don't, what are some ways that we can, what are some things we can consciously tell ourselves every day while we're absorbing that about how that really works and how that can really benefit us? Well, I have this theory and I've been, and I've been actually, I've been working with that for quite a while that as, as I said, that everything is useful. 
So mindset, yes, it's one thing, but we have moments where we are frustrated, where we are overwhelmed, where we are angry. And when we say, I'm going to just ignore that and I'm just going to put myself into that, that perfectly happy mind space again, that's, that's a little bit like the, what are they called? The Stepford Wives or I can't yeah, remember, yeah. but everybody yes. was just super happy all the time. And I, I basically say, I've got this, this metaphor that says we've got two vats. One is the willpower vat and one is the toxin vat. And so when we, we have, and it depends on how, what our capacity is, um, they are either big or they're small. Any, in any case, so let's imagine you wake up in the morning and your willpower vat is completely full and your toxin vat is empty. Now, as you go through the day with whatever positive mindset you have and you're getting into situations where somebody triggers your anger or whether you get really frustrated with whatever's going on or irritated with what, what doesn't work or you get overwhelmed, but you can't show it because you're going, oh, I'm in this positive mindset. What, what happens is it goes, it fills up your toxin vat. You just keep pushing it and you keep pushing it down and filling it up and filling it up. While at the same time, your willpower vat will actually empty because there's only so much, so much willpower we have every day. We literally use it up. It's a resource. So if you're, if you're not aware of that, you will come to a point where you either explode and the person who's in front of you will get it because at that point when the vat is full, it doesn't matter who it is. Or it turns inward and then you will start either medicating or you will get depressed or whatever it might be. So my, my invitation is always to people saying, acknowledge how you feel. I feel like crap right now. And maybe find somebody and, and I've, there's, there's more behind that, but find somebody who can listen to you when you sit there for five minutes and have what I call a plum moment. Mm. Poor little old me mm. or a vent about the bitch and the bastard and the, you know, all of these terrible circumstances and just basically share that with somebody who doesn't buy into the drama somebody who says i hear you that sucks or hmm that sounds really difficult and that's all they do and then what i do is, is i have emptied my toxin vat not very deliberately and then i can go on but it's that it's that willingness to actually go there to say there's a purpose for that that a lot of people are afraid and they'd rather have that mindset until they came to come to a point where they go of, you know, positivity until they come to a place where they just can't do it anymore. Absolutely. So the last question I wanted to talk to you about was you've obviously been running your own business for a long time. And, you know, most of our community have been running their businesses for five, between five and, and 10, 10 years. There's a lot of problems that the community talk about, but I think the, the two dominant ones are productivity and obsession with it or a lack of it and a struggle with that. Mm -hmm. And then work-life balance, which sort of feeds into that as well. But the idea that most of us started these businesses because we wanted our lives to feel more balanced. Yeah. And we thought that by being in charge of our work time, that that would enable us that balance. But there comes a point where that balance gets thrown off because that's life, right? But also, then we're left holding all the balls. So I'm wondering what, in seeking to understand our emotional responses, I suppose, to the things that might be happening with our issues here, what does that ultimately benefit us? Like how will that ultimately benefit our business? If we start by instead of trying to look at these problems in terms of a productivity mindset, like, I, you know, telling yourself I've got a productivity problem or I've got a work-life balance problem, 
what's like a question that we can just start to gently get into our heads about perhaps it's not those things, perhaps it's something bigger? Well, the question I always ask myself is how is this going to serve me in 10 years time when I look back at my life? Will I look back at my life and go, this was absolutely crucial and it shifted me in a direction I really needed to go in? Or is it just something that I have amplified to such a degree that, you know, all reason has disappeared because my perfectionism has kicked in? Or the, the as you said, the, the, the um, almost obsessive need for, for, uh, for productivity that we have these days, which is, I mean, I called my program the emotional productivity program because, again, you can be productive not doing anything. Yeah. It's really important to recognize that productivity means doing nothing. And so I'm, I'm always inviting people to say, look at the consequences. How does what you're doing right now affect you, your relationships, your health and well-being? How does it affect your productivity overall if you keep pushing harder and harder and harder? And, um, and, get a, get, and, and really, again, we are doing much more than we have ever, ever done in any time of history. I mean, with, with all the technical tools that we have available, it doesn't mean that we have to utilize them all day, day and night. I mean, I remember reading a study many years ago where we, we were still for, um, operating with facts and communicating. And they were saying that we were doing in a month that people a hundred years ago had done in a year. Wow. And with everything that we have done, and this, is, this was about 30 years ago, since then we have added a whole heap of technology that I would say we can probably get done things in a few days now that would take a year, a hundred years ago. And... You know, we have to remember that we are not made for that speed. It's not, it's not really great for us. And it's not the, and being productive is not the only purpose in life. You know, sometimes I'm sitting and connecting with people and connecting with ourselves. And you and I have talked about solitude and the importance of that is equally important. So, you know, and it's, 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 I think we, we need to relearn that perspective. Yes, absolutely. That's a beautiful place to end the discussion. I think I could talk to you forever. I think Angela, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And if people would like to find out more about your incredible courses or you or your work, is the, where's the best place? LinkedIn or your website? Feel free to plug everything. Thank you. LinkedIn as Angela Heiser, H-E-I-S-E. And the website is also AngelaHeiser.com. I'm also on Facebook. I have a professional page there if you'd like to connect with me there. Thanks, Angela. We look forward to having you back on the podcast soon. Thank you, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs>